for us, when we think about it, when we think about what Christ has done for us on the cross, it is also an emotional day when we think about how much Christ had to bear in order for us to be free. Amen. So let me take this time to say that let this day be a day where we not only enjoy the, the holiday, um, the fact that we're not going to work, but a day where we um, sit down and think uh, about what Christ has done in our lives, even as we continue on with the, with the day. Let me, let me take this time. Um, you know, during Easter, we, we find ourselves... Um, wanting to to fellowship with with believers wanting to go to church and and we find ourselves as well uh, a lot of times um uh receiving new faces uh in 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 church so i see a lot of new faces this uh morning um i see a lot of new faces there with the ladies uh um i don't know if you could probably introduce yourselves um yeah Okay. Uh, Re. Ebi. Oh, okay. Um, and sister. Lerato. And uh, we have um, also Reba, the Reba and uh, Gladys. Reba and Gladys are our our neighbors at Home Street Home. So they they live with us there. They are neighbors. We see them every day, and we, we love Reba and uh, Gladys. Um, welcome uh, to, to CBC, Central Baptist Church, um, as, as we um, this day remember our Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. And to do that uh, effectively, um, we're going to look at the Word of God in Luke chapter 23. I just want to take you to Luke chapter 23 for just these uh, moments and uh, just as, as we think about um, the cross of Christ. Luke chapter 23, um, I'm going to read uh, verses 26 until verses 42, uh, 40, 43. So Luke chapter 23, verses 26 until verses 43 and then we're looking at the title of responding to the cross responding to the cross let me read from the esv from luke chapter 23 reading verses 26 to uh, 43 this is god's word let us hear him and they led him away they seized one simon of cyrene who was coming in from the country and laid on him the cross to carry it behind Jesus. And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to Jesus, uh, turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breast that never nest. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us! And to the hills, Cover us! For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. 
And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And, and the people stood by watching. But the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one, the soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, uh, uh, offering him sour wine, and saying, "If you are the Christ of, if, if you are the King of the Jews, save yourselves." There was also an inscription over him: "This is the King of the Jews." One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, "Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us." But the other rebuked him, saying. Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is God's word. Let us pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you are the one who speaks in your word and remind us, oh God, how prone we are to forget. We just pray that you jot our minds and you, 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 you lead us to the cross of Christ to, to consider it once again, to, to think about it once again, oh God. We pray that you work in our hearts, you work in our minds, you work in our lives as we draw near to you, oh God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Responding to the cross. You see, the cross demands a response. One cannot encounter the cross of Christ and, and not come away um, having made a response. You cannot encounter Christ on the cross and not make a response. There must be some kind of response that you make. Consider what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Um, he speaks about the message that they preach. He says, this is the message that we preach. We preach Christ and him crucified. In verse 24, he says this. He says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, the message is clear. Paul is saying our message is clear. When we preach, we preach about Christ and him crucified. And, and with regard to this message, he mentions how people respond to it. There are people responding to this message. The Jews see this message as a stumbling block. They see it as a stumbling block. They are embarrassed about the fact that the, the, a Messiah came and, and died on a cross instead of, 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 of meeting their expectations of, a, of what a Messiah must be. They, they were expecting a Messiah who will overthrow the Roman government. But we see a Messiah who is going to the cross and they are embarrassed about that fact. On the other hand, the Gentiles, when they think and consider the message of the cross, they see it as foolishness. They think this is folly. 
This is foolishness. After Paul preached Christ in Athens, we are told that those who were hearing him, after hearing him, they said to him, what does this babbler wish to say? What does this madman wish to say? What is he saying at all? And again, it says in Acts chapter 17 that they even mocked him because of what he was saying. Again, even in that very same passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we see that there are some who respond to the cross and, and Paul calls them, he says, it is those who are called. It is those who are called from both the Jews and, and the Gentiles. And when they look at the cross, they say it is the power of God. It is, it is the wisdom of God. So there are, there are these people who are responding to the cross. And, and to respond to the cross is a must. No one can, can encounter the cross and not respond to it. There must be some kind of response. It, it is the same as we look at this story that Luke narrates in Luke chapter 23. We, we find Jesus on the way to the cross, what we call historically the Via Dolorosa. He's traveling the road of suffering. He, as he travels this road of suffering, Luke narrates the story. We, we find him, uh, as he, he's on this way to the cross, we find a man named Simon of Cyrene helping him to carry the cross behind him. And, and as we consider the narrative and look at the narrative, we see three kinds of responses from people that were looking at, at him. And I want, to, I want you to consider these three, three responses that people give and, and ask yourself today, this morning, what is your attitude towards the cross of Christ Jesus? What is your attitude towards the cross of Christ Jesus? So I want us to look at those three kinds of responses. Three kinds of responses to the cross. First, we see the sympathizers. Second, we see the mockers and the scoffers. Thirdly, we see the believers. Let us look at it in detail. We see first the sympathizers. Look at verse 27 and verse to, to verse 30. Verse 27 to verse 30, it says, And there followed him a great multitude of people and of women who were mourning and lamenting for him. But turning to them, Jesus said, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. For behold, the days are coming when they will say, Blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breast that never nest. Then they will begin to say to the mountains, Fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they, if they, do, not, if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when the wood is dry? So we see these people. These people are people who are sympathizers. They, they felt sorry for Jesus. They, they sympathized with him when they saw the stripes on his back. They sympathized with him when they saw the, 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 thorn, uh, the crown of thorns on his brow. They, they, they couldn't take the image into their minds. It was too hard for them to bear. These are the kind of people who, when they see someone who is in excruciating pain or someone who's going through difficulty, they would say something like this, I wouldn't wish it upon anyone, even my enemy. These are people who were sympathizing with Jesus. They, they genuinely felt sorry for him. Luke says they were mourning and lamenting for him. But it was not only that. 
I mean, I mean, it was it was just that. It it was just it was just sympathizing. It just ended with sympathy. They were like, "Ah, shame, Jesus, Nieman. That's just too much. He 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 doesn't deserve this." You see, their sympathy for Jesus didn't translate into putting their faith in him. It just ended with him, with them sympathizing with him, feeling sorry for him. Probably because in their eyes, they saw a weak man. A man who was now a victim of misappropriation of justice. A man who was a victim of a miscarriage of justice. They, they probably had a Roman idea of a savior. One who comes with an army of soldiers and defeats a city. Not one who comes to die. That was not in their minds. But even though they did not see him as a savior, they still felt sorry for him. Oh, shame, Jesus. He doesn't deserve this. He's an innocent man. But even though he was not their ideal savior, they, they, they still, you know, sympathize with him. These are people who today go to church and, and they hear sermons. They, they hear uh, 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 sermons being preached and, and they are touched or, or they are even inspired by, by, the, by, by what they hear, by, by, by what they hear from the, from the pastor, but they do not commit their lives to Christ, Right? They, they are just inspired. They, they are just saying, that's a good word. Eh? You, you are a good preacher. And, and that's it. It ends just right there. They, they do not commit their lives to Christ. And, and it, it, because it is not their thing, right? It, it is not their thing. They want to have their lives to themselves and not to surrender it to Christ. They don't want to surrender their lives to Christ. They like Christ. That's what they say. A lot of people here in, in this world who, who say they like Christ, when you ask them about, about you know, what do you think about Christ, they will tell you how much they like Christ. But you look at their lives, they are not ready to commit to him. Now consider the response of Jesus to these people. L- l- look at what he says. He, he basically says to them, I have no need for your tears. You need them more than I do. Spare your tears. And listen to what he says. He says, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Don't cry for me. Don't weep for me. Don't sympathize for me. But weep for yourselves and, and for your children. Why? Why is this the case? He goes on to say, for behold, the days are coming when they will say, blessed are the barren and the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nest. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us and to the hills, cover us. For if they do these things when the wood is green, what will happen when it is dry? Here's why they, they, they need their tears more. Jesus mentions a day that will be so unbearable for people who rejected him. A day that will be unbearable for, for people who did not accept him. Jesus said, you must cry for the day. Cry for yourselves and cry for your daughters. These are people, they, 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 when this day comes, they will desire death more than anything in the world. They will consider that those who never gave birth and, and those who, who were barren to be the most blessed people. Because... Think about it. As a parent, you don't want to see your child suffering. 
You don't want to see your child suffering. But this time, Jesus says, don't cry for me. If, if you're not going to commit your life to me, cry for yourselves and, and cry for your daughters because a day is coming where it will be unbearable. You will say to the mountains, you will say to, to, to the mountains, fall on us. You will, you will call the rocks to fall on you. You will want death more than anything. You will want the hills to cover you. It will be so unbearable that you will need to cry for yourselves on that day. They will be in torment. Jesus basically says, judgment is coming. If, if, if your sin is not, is not judged on the cross of Christ, then your sin will be judged on you and it will be unbearable for you. That's why Jesus says to this first group of people, the sympathizers, and the truth is, the, the only way to escape judgment is in Christ. You see, Jesus is saying to him, don't weep for me, but weep for your sin before me. Do we see that difference? Weep for your sin before him. So this first group of people are the sympathizers. Now we see the second group of people who responded to the cross and these people are called the scoffers and and the mockers they were scoffing and mocking at the cross of christ look at verse 32 to 39 we will not read it but when you look at this group it is made up of 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 the rulers uh, the soldiers and of the the thief one of the thieves that was on the, on the cross being crucified as well their words, when you think about their words, they indicate uh, hostility towards Christ. They, they indicate that they, they hated Christ. In verse 35, it says the rulers scoffed at him. They, they scoffed at him. The, the religious people, they, they, they scoffed at him. In verse 36, it says the soldiers also mocked him. The soldiers mocked him. And again, it says here in verses, verses 39 that one of the criminals who were, who were hanged railed at him. They are people who, that, are, that are hostile towards the cross of Christ. They want nothing to do with Christ. And we find a lot of these people today, right, we, we, who think that Christianity is ridiculous who think that being a Christian is ridiculous. It is backward. It is, it is a, a, an old thing for, for old people. They think that Christianity does not make sense. They, they scoff and mock uh, those who follow Christ and also scoff and mock at Christ. They, they, they have no fear to even make dirty jokes about God. And about Christ. They make these ridiculous jokes about Christ. They make these ridiculous jokes about God. And to them, Christianity is just a big joke. They are like the fool in Romans. In, 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 in Psalm chapter 14 verse 1, the fool who says in his heart, there is no God. Those are the kind of people here who are scoffing and mocking. These are people that are blind to the truth. They do not know the truth. In, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, listen to what Paul says. He says, in their case, 
the god of this world is talking about satan the god of this world has blinded their minds the, the, the minds of of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of christ who is the image of god they are blinded to the truth they they have been blinded by satan so that they do not see the truth of the gospel Jesus said to the Pharisees in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, listen to what he says to them. He says, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. He says to them, the reason you do not want me, the reason you reject me is because you are of your father, the devil. You continue to do your father's will. Although they refer to, to themselves as, as children of Abraham, they, they saw themselves as religious, they didn't want Jesus. Right? They didn't want Jesus. They, they saw it as just ridiculous. Because Jesus exposed their sin and hypocrisy. And I find today in our time, there are many people who can sing that uh, Abraham's blessings are mine. There are so many people who are ready to sing that song, right? Abraham's blessings are mine. Abraham's blessings are mine. But when you look at their lives, Abraham's obedience is not theirs. They want the blessing, but not the obedience. And it is very important to, to note that your life as a Christian, the way you, when you identify you, yourself with Christ, displays Christ to the world. It says something about Christ to the world. You can either, with your conduct, display him as a master who is worthy of praise, as a, as a beautiful savior, as a wonderful counselor. You can display him like that to the world. You can display him like that to your peers. And that is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and, and do what? Glorify your Father in heaven, right? But I, let, me, let, me, let me put this spanner in the works. A sinful life, a sinful conduct, scoffs and, and mocks at the cross. It, it causes the world to do the same even more. When, when the world sees a Christian who is living in, 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 in sinfulness, in a, in a life that dishonors Christ, they look at him and they do what? They scoff at the cross. They, they mock the cross and say, look at these Christians. Look at these people who, who identify themselves with Christ. They are all the same. They are all hypocrites. Paul says to the Jews in Romans chapter 2, verse uh, 24, he says, the name of of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. You can even say it like that today. And the name of God is blasphemed among unbelievers because of you. The question that is important, looking at your life, that it, does it show the beauty of the cross or does it scoff and, and mock at the cross of Christ? When you consider your life, so the first group of people we see here are the sympathizers, those who feel sorry for him. The second group of people are the scoffers and, and the mockers. The, the, the third response to the cross. And lastly, are the believers. 
the believers. Look at verse, uh, 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 verse 40 to verse 43. It says, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. There were two criminals that were crucified together with Jesus. One we saw who was the one who railed against him, who was saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and, and save us. But the second thief that was being crucified with, with him had a different response. He starts by rebuking, rebuking his partner in crime. He says to him, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same condemnation? Here, here we see a man who was, who was looking at the cross of Christ with a different eye. The eye of faith. And I want us to analyze his response a bit in detail as we look at it. First, we see him admitting his sin. With regard to his condemnation in verse 41, he says, And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due rewards of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. He, he knows his sin and, and admits it to be sin. I, I hope you heard that. Right? He knows his sin and admits it to be sin. You see, there are many people today who, who have many ways of justifying and, and covering up their sin. They, they have many ways they, they find of excusing their sin. You, you, you can even hear the, the psychological language that is being used today. When, when someone is a drunkard, they call him an alcoholic just to make it sound a, 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 a bit, uh, you know, um, beautiful and, and, and not much of a, of, a, of a big deal. He's an alcoholic, not a drunkard. When someone is committing adultery, they say, uh, it's an affair. Right? When someone is, is at work and, and they, are, they are stealing money, uh, corruption, and they, they say it's, it's misappropriation of funds. It, it sounds nice, right? It's, they, they don't call it being a thief and, and stealing. It's misappropriation of funds. There, there are many ways that, that people cover up and, 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 and excuse sin. But this man does not cover up his sin. He, he, he sees himself as a sinner and admits his sin. He accepts the condemnation that he is under to be fair and just. He had got the grief because of his sin. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, Godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly grief produces death. So, so, so this man had godly grief that, that led him to repentance. When he was before Christ and, and seeing Christ, he, he saw his sin. 
Secondly, we don't only see that, that, that he admitted his sin before Christ, we see his hope as well. We see what his hope was when he admitted his sin. And, and this hope is a, is a, is a two-sided coin. It's in the negative and, and it's in the positive. I, I don't want you to miss this point. I don't want you to miss this point. Uh, think with me for, for a minute. Notice that this man is on a cross, right? He's on what? On a cross. This man is dying on a cross. He's also being crucified on a cross. But he doesn't put his hope on this cross on which he's being crucified on. You see, it is not, it is not just the, 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 the cross, the, the wooden thing. He knows that salvation, that the power of salvation is not necessarily in the wooden cross. You, you might carry it around as much as you want. It is not the wooden cross that saves, but it is the one who is on the cross who saves. He is on the cross himself. You see, there are many crosses in this world, but there is only one cross of Christ that saves, and he notices that. He, he knows that instantly. He, he puts his hope away from this cross he's on, and he turns his hope, and we see the positive side of, of, of this, 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 this thing. But, but even before that, he knows that salvation is found in Christ Jesus. He calls out to Christ Jesus. And, and think about it. This is a big rebuke to those who want tangible things like, like water, oil, and things to wear on, on, on their bracelets and things to wear on their necks uh, in order to feel closer to God. They, they, they want tangible things, things that they can touch, things that they can put under the pillow, things that they can, they can wear with them, things they can, they can carry around and, and put up on, on themselves. This is a rebuke to them when we read this passage. There is no hope in those things. The positive side of this is that he, uh, his hope is in Christ. He looks to Jesus and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He, he, he's not looking for something to, 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 to have in his hand. He's not looking for something to, to, that is tangible. He knows that he, can, he cannot contribute anything to his salvation. He knows that he cannot earn his salvation. He is at the mercy of Jesus. It is as if he, he was saying to Jesus, nothing in my hand I bring, only to the cross I cling. And notice the response of Jesus. This is the very most important response. Jesus looks at this man who is next to him in excruciating pain, unspeakable pain, unbearable pain. He says to this man, truly I say to you, truly, verily, verily, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. From, from this response, we see the beauty of God's grace. How, how beautiful 
this grace is. You see, this man was a criminal. This man spent his life lying, cheating. He, he spent his life stealing and, and probably even killing. There was nothing in this man that could attract Jesus to save him. He, 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 he had nothing. He had nothing attractive about him. But Jesus still looks at this man and says, Today you will be with me in paradise. I love what Tim Keller says. He says it so beautifully. He says, no one is so good that they don't need the grace of the gospel. And no one is so bad that they can't receive the grace of the gospel. It doesn't matter how dark your sin is. It doesn't matter how much stained are you. But Jesus Christ, the grace of God is able to reach out even to the deepest, deepest sin. He knows the depths of our hearts, yet he still loves us the same. We see here the beauty of God's grace. And, and again, we, see, we notice another thing, another thing that is very important that I want you to notice is that being born again is an immediate experience. Being born again is an immediate experience. It, it is a one-time event. It is, it, is, it is a thing that happens instantly. Of course, we, we usually talk about three aspects of salvation, right? We talk about justification. That is justification when we are being made right with God. That takes instant, uh, an instant action from God. And then there is sanctification. Sanctification is when you live your life on an everyday basis. Then there's glorification when you are in heaven without sin. But here we see this man being justified, being made right with God instantly. And we see it in these words when Jesus says today. He, he doesn't say tomorrow or, or next week or, or, or maybe in a month's time. He says today. Think about it. This here is where we put our faith in Christ. We, we don't put our faith in anything. We don't put our faith even in baptism. You see, baptism is important, but baptism does not save anyone. Jesus didn't say to this man, wait, let me pause time. We get off the cross, I'll baptize you. We come back on the cross, we die, and you go to, with me to, to paradise. Jesus Christ says today, whether you are baptized or not, Today, at this instant, immediately, you will be with me in paradise. You see that? Baptism does not save, but baptism is the evidence, is an inward evidence, is an outward evidence of an inward experience. Right? It is a testimony to the world of saying, hey, the, the way you used to know me, don't know me like that anymore. I, 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 I am identifying myself with Christ. This man had no chance to do that. And, and this man just only had one, one thing, just to believe in Christ. Just, just to believe that this man was dying on the cross. My sin that I, I, I have committed all my life at this moment is being transferred to this man. This man is dying for my sin. Here to believe in Christ. And instantly Jesus says, today, not next week, not, not 
not Monday. Just just wait until I, I, I rise again from the dead and, and, and you will be with me. He says today. And I want you to, I want to know from you today, this morning, when you consider these three responses to the cross, the, the sympathizers, the, 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 the scoffers and mockers, the, the believers, what is your response this morning? How, how will you respond? Will you just feel sorry for, for Christ without committing your life to him? Will you be like, ah, Shem, doch, he died today, today. It was too hard for him, it was difficult, and, and just go home and eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow you die? Or, or will you mock and scoff and, and go out of church and say, those people are crazy? They, they believe in someone who died on the cross and they say he rose again from the dead. Those people are out of their minds. They are, they are, they are just crazy. They are not thinking straight. Are you going to say that? Or are you going to believe? To believe that he is the lamp of God who takes away the sins of the world. To, to believe that he is the one who bears the full wrath of God upon him. The anger of God was poured upon him. Are you going to believe that he is the one who reconciles men back to God? Who, who, who destroys that enmity between us and God? That through his death, he gives us life. Are you going to believe that living, he loves me? Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified. Truly forever. And one day he's coming. Oh, what a glorious day. What is your response? Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, we find ourselves standing before you, looking at the cross looking at the effects, the consequences of the cross, how in putting faith in you, invariably we made your children. We were sinners, oh God, like this thief. We had nothing to offer before you. But you said today you will be with me in paradise. God, we pray that this will be the cry of our heart. Jesus, Remember me. Jesus, remember me. Amen.